Hello, and welcome to the Legendarium Green Team. We're a group of Legendarium fans who come together to complain about the main guys and talk about books they won't. I am Huron Fan. You might remember me from the first Green Team episode where I recommended this book, and I am joined by Befuddled Panda. Hello. Uh, Yasna is a boy. Hi. And uh, making his debut, Spook. Hello. We are covering, I'm sure you know from the tag in this episode, in the title, we're doing a a goblin episode. (laughs) (laughs) We are doing a goblin emperor episode. Uh, We will start with general impressions and give the book a personal score and then move to spoilers after a good spoiler warning. That said, this book is not plot heavy at all, and I think anyone could enjoy it even if they know everything about the story. Uh, Great. So about the author, Goblin Emperor is the first book from Catherine Addison, but not the first book by the author, Sarah Monette. Uh, Addison is a pen name. The book has won many awards and was a lot more popular than her previous works. And unfortunately, this will probably be uh, just known as Catherine Addison from now on. Uh, let's start. Uh, did you enjoy The Goblin Emperor? Uh, why and how would you rate it? Who wants to go first? I suppose I will, since someone else Okay. Is. Um, for the most part, I did enjoy Goblin Emperor quite a bit. Um, it wasn't until about part three that the book caught me. Uh, the earlier parts were a little bit of a slog, unfortunately. Uh, I can't say if that was due to the writing style or just me not able to focus at the time. But as soon as I got up to part three, I was just blown away with how good the book was after that. Yes, do you uh, want to say something? Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I like the book. I'd probably give it like four stars, maybe five. Uh, it was really good. It had me from the beginning. Uh, and I was with it the whole way. Uh, the only thing that I couldn't wrap my hands around, my head around was the the names and I just skipped them. <laughs> so. uh, Panda, how about you? Yeah. So um, this was a reread for me. And the first time I read it, I gave it five stars. The second time I read it, I also gave it five stars. I still really, really enjoyed it. And there are many, many reasons why that uh, we will get into later. Um, Yeah, this is also my second time, obviously, since I previously recommended it. And uh, yeah, the first time I gave it five stars. And the second time, I would also give it five stars. But I found it slightly less enjoyable uh, the first time. But no fault to the book itself. Um, so we've already made a few, uh, notes about how maybe difficult the book is. So I have a little game here that I'd like to play with our panelists and I'm going to take a random word from the glossary, I suppose it's called. And you guys will tell me what the, if it's a person, place, or thing. And this, this part will be spoiler free. Yeah. 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 Okay. I I can't think of any other spoiler. Why, why, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ashevishko. What? <laughs> Can we give that another go, please? Uh, <laughs> I lost it. No, really, I did lose it. <laughs> okay, here it is. Ashevishko. <laughs> All right. I'm going with person. I think person. it's a person. A okay. person. Uh, you are mostly correct. It's a god. It's a, uh, uh, okay. 
Barije say goddess of the sea. Okay, here's one maybe a little easier. What are, what is a barije say? Oh, that's it. I mean, it's I think it's a person, but it's like a group of people. Like a people, yeah, like a nation. Yeah, I'm going with it with that. Okay. Uh, do you know what people they are? It's goblins. the goblin people. Goblins. Good. Okay. I thought that one might be a little easier. I think this game is more of can Hiram pronounce the word? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Okay, here's one. Uh, Kelvaz. Kelvaz? Person, place, or thing? A person. Person. I think it's a place. Place? Yasna? Thing? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, one of each. One of us is Uh, right. It is is a country bordering the Ethuveraz. Okay. So it's a place. <laughs> yes. Uh, give me another one. Okay. Uh, Drasharan Parmenol. I do think that was a person, I think. Like I, a family. Drash, can you say that again? Drasharan Parmeno. Wait, what's what does it end with? The last two letters. Parmeno, N O. N O. I think it's either a person or a place. I pick one. I'll go with person. <sighs> okay, I will go with person. It's an an empress. Okay. Okay, I'll do one more. Uh, I'm I'm enjoying this. <laughs> We're enjoying you. And <laughs> <laughs> mm. eh, never mind. I was trying to find a good thing, but they're all. Oh, you you gotta you gotta get one more, one more in there. Oh, now you guys know what the thing. Well, I mean, pick a different yeah. one. Okay. Pick a random. The Vershaline. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Person. I'm going with place. Person. Uh, it was a group of islands in the sea. Oh, okay. Very nice. I read the book. So, um, <laughs> this is kind of off note, but how how would you? So I, I said this this book isn't plot heavy, and I think we would all agree with that, right? Agree. Yeah, I, I'm like fifty percent there. I, I the half theory. agree with you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why why half agree? So here's the thing. I, I hear this quite often that like, oh, nothing happens in this book. There's not much action. And while in the in the more like um, common sense of action, I would say, yes, it's not it's not filled with like battles and fight scenes or like duels. Um, but there is action and the action is more about the court intrigue the interpersonal tension the like cat and mouse kind of games um and it's more of like battles of wit and words rather than of like sword or might spook you you want to say something yeah um i would say that even though there's not a whole lot of punching as a certain cast member would say that there is plenty in this book um I definitely appreciated going into this book not knowing anything. Uh, I think it would be completely a completely different experience 
overall if I knew anything that happened in this book. Because I went in knowing nothing. It was just a recommendation like, hey, read this. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll read this. And I think if I had known half of the things that happened, I wouldn't have enjoyed myself nearly as much. Interesting. What, what, what do you think, Yasna? Um, so, I mean, yeah, like, it's not plot heavy, but there's certainly a plot. I mean, it's about, you know, the inciting incident is the, oh, wait, are we in spoilers yet? No. Not yet. <laughs> oh, f you're asking me about the plot and we're not in spoilers? Jesus. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, the plot was a slow burn and not necessarily always the focus. And it wasn't immediately apparent what 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 direction a lot of the plot was going to go like from act one so that's why i say 50 percent with you on that um i i hear all of you but i'm going to stick with my words and say that there's very little to no plot in this book because well i i agree and it's not spoilers to say that uh what happens at the beginning of the book is uh maya the main character wakes up one day and he finds out his whole family's dead basically and he's the fifth in line for, or fourth in line for the throne and he becomes the emperor um and then from there on like panda said it's just mostly core intrigue and people talking to each other and backstabbing and uh, normal stuff you'd expect in you know a i guess political book from <laughs> i i lost my words <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys know what i'm saying though yes i understand <laughs> But just I personally, I just wouldn't consider that plot because everything uh, was more about Maya and how he responds to all of that. All right. So uh, what kind of reader would you recommend this book to? Uh, Patna, what do you think? Yeah. So um, if you are not a fan of Grimdark, read this book because this is the opposite of Grimdark. <laughs> um but also to anyone who likes fantasy and you're not put off by, you know, the, the made up words um, and you love court politics and character driven stories, as we mentioned, mm -hmm. it, it's not very plot driven. It's very character driven. Um, yeah. I think you'll enjoy this book. Yeah, uh, I agree. And it, it, the opposite of Grindard is a good, good way to saying it. it, it it's a bit naive. Uh, but yeah. that's part of why I like it so much. Mm -hmm. um, I heard an interview with Catherine Addison, or should I call her Sarah Monette? Uh, and she said she her old stuff was just kind of cynical. And uh, the stuff she was writing under her real name. And then she had this idea for the story. And she wanted to write a story where uh, a genuinely good person doing the right things uh, has a good ending. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to read that kind of stuff sometimes. Yeah. Agreed. Spook, what do you think? Yeah, I generally agree. A uh, fan of fantasy who uh, enjoys reading deep political intrigue. Uh, I would also say someone who enjoys reading political intrigue on its own, not necessarily a fan of fantasy. Uh, I will say a requirement to be able to enjoy this book is to be able to overlook certain fantasy tropes that do occur, such as the annoying elvish words that show up over and over again. <laughs> But yeah, I, off the top of my head, I can think of plenty of people who I think would love this book. Yeah, I'm going to, I convinced my wife to read it. Um, I don't know when she'll get to it, but I hope she likes it. Uh, Yasna? Yeah, so um, uh, some of this might echo what everybody else has said, but uh, 
If you like stuff that's different from typical fantasy, uh, that's not as like hack and slash, not as doom and gloom. Uh, if you don't mind something that's like slow and deceptively calm, uh, I'll say that because there are times where the calm is, gets quite upset. Uh, if you liked Warbreaker, if you liked Warbreaker, especially if you liked Warbreaker more than you liked anything else Brandon Sanderson wrote, you'd like this book. Uh, if you want to read a bunch of made-up names you can't pronounce that all sound the same, or if you're really, really into bridges. <laughs> Civil Engineers. Yeah, sure. Civil Put Engineers. <laughs> Civil Engineers Square. So before we go into spoilers, uh, we all enjoyed the book, right? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Like I said, five stars. So if someone were to describe, ask me to describe this book with spoilers, like to tell the story, I would say uh, a half goblin, half elf man becomes the emperor of an elf kingdom and he builds a bridge. Okay. So since we're in spoilers, I, I, what I wrote was half goblin with daddy issues who misses his mom stumbles his way through his sudden ascension to the throne and gets to build a kick butt bridge yeah and, and that, that's all correct but uh, the only parts there that were plot relevant were builds a bridge becomes an emperor right no that's not true <laughs> no well, like he also but... he also gets uh engaged you know to be married he breaks and off an engagement. He breaks off engagements. Uh, mm. He finds out the um, the the people behind the murder of his family, and also of the attempted assassination of himself. He also gets kidnapped. He also gets kidnapped. So there were there were like two failed coups there. Yeah. Okay. I mean, those things did happen. I admit. <laughs> Those are plots. <laughs> they are plots. It sounds like to me, hearing maybe, just maybe they're not the first story. chapter and the last chapter and then called it. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I, maybe my definition of plot and story have mixed. Whatever. Shall we, shall we get into questions or we have any uh, spoilerific comments about my idea that this book is not plot heavy? I mean, I, I, I stand by that. I half agree with you. Okay. I think everyone it's half not agrees. Heavy. It is not plot heavy. Okay, I cannot is... full set agree with you, but yeah. yeah. All right. So shall we get into our discussion questions? There's a lot questions? of There's There's a lot, lot of plotting. Plotting. That's Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Let's get into the questions. Okay. So what did you think of the writing style? Was it engaging? Uh, did any part stand out? Uh, spook? Yeah. Uh, I wrote quite a bit on this. Uh, I will say the writing style was interesting, to say the least. Uh, I'm not too sure if I've actually ever read a book quite like this in terms of writing style, just to do with just the political intrigue and the pronoun usage, which kind of caught me off guard a little bit. It took a little bit of time for me to figure out what exactly they were talking about when they were using certain program pronouns. Like when Maya kept saying, our father, the emperor, uh, Setheris, I was like, wait, are they like related, like brothers? Because he keeps calling him cousin. And I, it took a bit longer than I'd like to admit before I realized that. Uh, yeah. Yasta? Yeah. <clears throat> that, just to piggyback on that, that was a, 
I, I noticed in my last viewing of Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet that uh, the king, uh, Hamlet's uncle, father, co- co- constantly refers to himself as we this, we that. And I was like, oh, this is like that royal we thing that I keep hearing about. What's that? And then this book was like, oh, you asked what that was? Here's nine feet in the deep end of that thing. And uh, uh, yeah, so that that was really interesting and engaging. And I didn't always follow like what they were differentiating when like people were saying like we plural versus we singular or this plural versus that kind of stuff because like because they're using the same word to do a lot and speaking of that there were a hell of a lot of meanings behind the word serenity in this book and that was really <laughs> cool the way they used that one word just mm-hmm. to convey so many emotions and tones and you know all all, all sorts of different like subtext and context to the use of the honorific serenity it was great uh, yeah, it was nice that we had Maya explaining all of that to us. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I get, I guess, uh, in this story, Maya is to us as Ksevit uh, is to Maya. Yeah, I would agree. Panda, what do you think? Yeah, so um, I know the the pronoun usage uh, got a lot of people just like reading reviews and um, you know even some of the discussion on Discord. Um, I I thought that it worked really well. I it didn't bog me down or hinder my uh, ability to read and understand what was happening. Um I did find that the the usage of thee thou thy being informal was very interesting um cuz you know for for us typically like I see those words in you know like King James Bible. <laughs> And it's mm. more like formal that yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Um, so understanding that it's informal in this context was helpful. Um, and also how Maya shifts between using the and thou and I. Um, and I think, I'm I'm not 100% sure if this is correct, but I think what it is is that when Maya in his head is like talking to himself as if Sethris was talking to him. He uses the the and thou's, but then when he's talking to himself as himself, he uses I. Um, I would have to like go back and actually reread to specifically see if that is the case. But from my uh, second reading, I think that is what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing about the writing style is that I found it very engaging and soothing. Um, I think the author makes it seem effortless in her writing. There's a lot of imagery uh, that she puts in there. And she puts in, for me personally, just the right amount of details to describe something. And it's not like the page is bogged down by just like overly uh, describing something. Um. Yeah, that's a really interesting observation, and I, I it sounds correct to me, because Maya's always thinking about he's he's been wronged, like by Sethris, and nearly everything that's going on in the back of his head is influenced by Sethris and yeah. the way that he talked to him. So, uh, yeah, I think that would make sense. Uh, by the way, do we all know? Uh, how you and the and thou have evolved? I, I do not know. What do you? 
What do you mean? In the English language. Oh, no. I could, I could get my brother-in-law, who's like an English professor, in the room, <laughs> and you know he might right. be able to answer that for me. <laughs> so, so we've all noticed that you, for some reason, uses the the plural form of the be verb uh, instead of you is. We say you are. Uh-huh. Well, that's because originally you was only a uh, plural uh, second person pronoun. But uh, like the royal we, it was used for people of higher standing than you. So, uh, you know, you would say you to the queen or the duke or someone. And for every, every other day, you know, normal interactions, you would say the, uh, like he, she, the, exactly. Oh, okay. And that would use, you know, the singular uh, form of verbs. But as classes uh, began to mix and it became less and less noticeable what class somebody is, people just began to start using you for everything because they weren't really sure uh, oh. for whom they should be using it towards. And then the just became unusable and we have a terrible second person uh, uh, singular and plural pronoun. Interesting. You know, that, that not... actually brings up, um, because we're reading this in English, right? I do wonder how this book, when it gets translated into a language where there is a distinction between, you know, the formal you, the plural you, and all of that, the informal you, how, like, what the readers get, if it's for them, it's just like, oh, yeah, it's super straightforward. Um, and it kind of loses a little bit of that mysteriousness um, that we get. Uh, from reading it in English, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, it's a good. Yeah, I'll, I have it in Japanese. Ne- next time I read it, I'll try to check that out. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, comparatively speaking, I believe English uh, doesn't have a lot of pronouns uh, compared to a lot of other languages. No, a lot of languages are gender. Really, isn't. <clears throat> Spooky. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, so um, shall we move on to the next? What do you think of the world building? Was it enough for you? Uh, Panda, you want to take this one? Um, I thought the world building was sufficient enough for me for this book. Um, and kind of spoiling this, uh, this is, there will be a sequel next year, but it's not a direct sequel. Um, and if I, if there hadn't been a sequel, or if there isn't going to be a sequel, I would have been satisfied, I guess, with how much we've seen of the world. Although I, there are some parts that I wanted more of. Um, and I think we'll get into it a little bit, which is like, because the world was so heavily focused on what Maya can see and experience, um, we do get, so it, it is a bit limited. Um, we don't see very much of like the barbarians um, and the other parts of the kingdom. Um, but ha- having said that, um, I do think that the made up words helped with the world building quite a bit and the atmosphere. Um, so instead of just, you know, saying like, oh, this temple, it, it's words like, you know, Michothasmire or whatever. And it sounds very Tolkien. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I really 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 like the world building in this book. 
Um, and yeah, the the amount of language usage and uh, just the amount of made up words really, I think, helped with that. Mm -hmm. um, but it more than anything, it felt real to me in the way that I imagined that a uh, medieval court would sound and feel and interact. <laughs> mm -hmm. it, I, it, I guess it has a uh, it has a certain verilmelicitude. Uh, Spook, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, so what I would say is that for the world itself, for the like unseen world, we didn't get a whole lot. But I think for the part of the world that we did see, it was built just extremely well. All of the relationships and the various leaders inside the court just done extremely well. Yes, sir? Yeah, I mean, I, th I feel like it was exactly what it needed to be for the story that was being told. but. Uh, I will say that uh, the way that we were brought in on information about uh, things that, you know, that did that did add to the world and, and a little bit to the story, but were a lot like pretty outside of Maya's, you know, ability to directly view like like uh, it made the world feel like like the way like the barbarian uh, interactions with the uh, the empire were uh revealed and they talked about like the source of the conflict being like uh and the and the and the and the reason why the conflict was so dug in and like sort of in in uh, what's the word for it uh i can't think of the word uh but but the but the fact that it was so like uh um entrenched yes entrenched uh it, uh being based on like the burial ground like being mm -hmm. like under their fortress like that 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 being the way that we found out about it, uh, what through that like you know sort of intrigue, uh, com you know dinner conversation between all these different like nobles and bureaucrats, uh, and 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 like and then like kind of peeling the layers of the conflict back at the dinner table, like people discussing politics at the dinner table. <laughs> yeah, like it was it made the world feel like 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 real and like real in a way where like like. Like you might not, as the reader, get to go to those places, but like just like a lot of people might, you know, talk about, you know, Brexit at the dinner table, and they are never going to go to London. Maybe you know things. You know, it made it feel like like a like a like a real place, and that that was cool. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a, a very good uh, example as well, because uh, the political discussions felt real, especially the way that they felt about them because Maya's like why, why are we fighting this war I mean everybody who started is involved is dead he's like well do you think that we could do that based on this and well, whatever <laughs> uh, so let's move on do you have any favorite moments if so what were they uh, Yasna uh, yeah so the failed coup was definitely the coolest part I, 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 I was like shocked like <laughs> It was like getting thrown into a bath of cold water without any mm -hmm. warning. Like, uh, you know, and, and the whole time I was think I had been thinking like, you know, if this was a different book, like this guy would have got been assassinated like four times over. There would be like, two <laughs> attempts already by this point mm -hmm. by at least these two characters who ended up doing the coup. Uh, so it's not <laughs> like I have predicted it, but the but it there was this like serenity and sort of stagnation to the way the court and the bureaucracy worked that it kind of just seemed like the emperor could be like 
relegated to unimportance and uh, nothing but ceremonial importance and there wouldn't be the need for that kind of a cutthroat coup and it just seemed like they were you know kind of shoving him down and and that was going to be all there was and then all of a sudden like he's being kidnapped in his bedroom and i was like holy this is this just got real you know yeah and then immediately like dialed back like pretty shortly after but it was a really cool scene i like that he called for his uh for the heir to talk to him about it and like uh, the air was the one that like called the coup not a coup anymore, which turned out to not matter because the guards were already coming anyway. But whatever, uh, <laughs> I liked the uh, <laughs> that kind of undermined it a little. But whatever, uh, the I liked the clockmaker's uh, uh, demonstration of the bridge, uh, and I really liked the uh, letter to Maya from the uh, from the witness uh, for the dead about the mm-hmm. like dangerous egalitarian philosophies amongst the workers uh it was a little caricaturish uh i could definitely tell that they were kind of like picking at like you know the past of like the the workers movement particularly like in, mm-hmm. in russia and, and like sort of conflating marxism with neurotinism which is like terrorism basically and then i it, one thing that okay so I guess I should stop, but at some point I might, uh, at some point if we get time later, could we talk about the fact that, like, terrorism led to progress and that that's usually not how terrorism, (laughs) terrorist assassinations work in imperial uh, states. It does not lead to progress. But we can talk about that later. I answered the question. (laughs) Spook, what'd you got? All right. So I got a decently long list, but I'm going to go with one of the first scenes in the book where Maya goes to like the public viewing of all the people who died on the airship that weren't royalty. I just felt like that was such a wonderful scene where we saw Maya's heart. We kind of saw a glimpse of who he would end up being as the emperor and the kind of choices he would make. Uh, And preceding scenes really showed that he was going to make the statement, I am not my father. I am not going to make the choices the same as my father. I am my own person. And I just thought it was just a really well-made scene and just wonderful to read. It really sets the tone for the rest that, that mm-hmm. follows. Yeah. It, yeah. it establishes Maya's character really well. Mm-hmm. Agreed. You know, I, I think Maya is, we, we'll talk about it later, but I think Maya is the strongest part of the novel. Uh, Panda, favorite scene? Yeah. So we already touched on this, um, the dinner party with... Lord Pashavar and Marques Lanthaval, however you say those names. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> what I really loved about that scene is that we got to see a more depth to characters that are not Maya, and the the old buddy like friendship between these two characters at court that Maya was, um, you know, terrified of Lord. Pashavar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was very intimidated. He was trying to get out of this dinner. But once he got there, right, there's that awkward silence where, you know, the the emperor is supposed to open up the conversation and he's like, What do I talk to these people about? That's not gonna offend anyone. <laughs> and he starts yeah. talking about a wall hanging, right? Um <laughs> and that that, you know, kind of broke the ice and then the the two um courtiers were kind of just opening themselves up and letting him in to their little circle. Um, that was really nice. And um, all the moments with um, 
Adra, Marion, and Eno, or Ino. Um, those were so sweet. Mm. I, I I really enjoyed those. And then um, lastly, there's the, the Maya's birthday, and him coming down to breakfast, and it's like, what is all of this stuff? And they're like, it's for your birthday, and he just doesn't get it because. To, to think like you know he never really had a birthday celebration no. so that that one that scene was like on many levels very um very emotional for me i wanted to say uh on the birthday scene in general it reminded me so much of the christmas scene in the first harry potter where harry oh, goes yeah. downstairs and he's like oh i got presents because he <laughs> never had presents before Right, just except like he got a toothpick him. one year or something. Yeah, <laughs> I think had a single, single tissue. Yeah. yeah, just a lovely scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, you stole my favorite scene. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. My favorite scene is every time that he inter- interacts with the children, mm. and okay. I, I like how he inter- interacts with his nephew and his nieces, and uh, how sweet they are, and how sweet he is to them. And yeah, it just kind of warms my heart. But if I can't pick that one, I'll, uh, I forgot her name, but the, the, the woman who was dying and she was mm-hmm. nice to him at his mother's yeah. funeral. I wrote down her uh, name. Uh, her name is Osmirin Danavarin. Thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. And I like how that, li- that little kindness that she showed him uh, impacted him so. And I think that's mm-hmm. also very uh, influential too him mm-hmm. personally and how he interacts with other people uh that dinner scene uh that was where he made the joke right where i think one of the courtiers were you saying something nearly treasonous and he's like how, how could you say that in front of the emperor oh yeah 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 uh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and he's like well i could change my mind <laughs> he's like you know he said I, I i might not do anything but i could always change my mind and then they just Bust out silence. laughing. I really like. Yeah, it, it was a long silence, and then they started laughing. Yeah, it was very like, tense. The inner monologue was like, "Oh, I should not have said that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I one thing, I just thought of this because, you know, we're recording this right after Christmas. Um, the all the kindness that we see in this book, it made me think of Klaus, and mm. the the. The quote, right? A true act of goodwill always sparks another. And I would like to think that, you know, with the the woman at the funeral and uh, Maya's mother, like their act of goodwill really helped him be able to pass it on to others. Agreed. Uh, the next one I, I want to answer first. Uh, who is your favorite character? And uh, Maya. I mean, Maya is one of my favorite characters in anything I've ever read and uh, it's a breath of fresh air and how he responds to everything. I mean, he's, he's human. He has parts where he lashes out and he gets angry and he does the wrong thing and he's easily deceived and he's constantly uh, thinking about the way that his uncle or his cousin treated him and how he's been scarred by that and the way that his family treated him. But he doesn't respond with the hatred that he really deservedly could and instead, he responds to kindness. And uh, yeah, so I love Maya. <laughs> Spook, who's your favorite character? And in- yeah, 
Uh, Maya is definitely up there for me. I really also enjoyed Savet. I thought he was a wonderful character. Uh, and someone like, while they said, hey, you're Emperor, you can't have friends. Uh, I definitely saw that relationship form into a friendship. Uh, same with his guardsmen. I know at the end of the book, he's like, hey, just, you know, I've never had friends before. So technically speaking, we aren't friends, but we're something. And <laughs> I, I just really, <laughs> yeah, he did. I, I just enjoyed all of those characters that kind of guided Maya to the right choices uh, and influenced him in a good way. I, I like Kasevet a lot too. Benda? Kasevet is um, one of my favorites as well. The two of them, they, they make a really good duo and, you know, for, for I I relate to Kasevet more than I do to Maya because I'm more of the like behind the scenes kind of person, less of the face of whatever it is kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, and also Kasevet reminded me of Three Seagrass from A Memory Called Empire, but personally I like Kasevet better. Um, and a couple others, uh, like Spook mentioned, the guardsmen, particularly Bechelar, where he's super mm. gruff, but he's actually kind of like a teddy bear underneath it all. Um, his outbursts later in the book, um, they were they just made me laugh. Um, and the the great of our, um, so the goblin emperor, not the, not the goblin emperor, but the Goblin King from who's Maya's Maya's grandfather? Yeah. Grandfather, yeah. Grandmother. Um he I would say the audiobook version of him is really, really good. Uh Yasna. I pretty much had all the same answers that Panda did. I mean she had more, but uh it's like Maya and Sevet and 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 his grandfather whose name I couldn't remember. Because no one has a name in this book for me. <laughs> I'm with you. What, what did you like about the grandfather? <laughs> he just seemed like fun. He was blunt. He uh, yeah. he was uh, he didn't put up with the bullshit that uh, Maya couldn't have time to, to like learn how to be a person and like was like no you're gonna learn how to ride a horse. I'm gonna leave people here to make sure you're all right, you know. And I don't know. He liked to party. He was fun. He's a fun guy. I mean, obviously, it sucks he, like, didn't ever talk to Maya's mother after he married her off. But, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like he was trying to atone for it. Yeah, so I, while, yeah. In, in a very little amount of screen time, I got all that and more. You know, mm-hmm. so. mm-hmm. yeah, I, I was going to say, I loved that she showed that, like, this dude wasn't a great dude. But he has grown as a character after Maya's mother died. And he has tried to atone for his mistakes. He's acknowledging his bastard children. And I was like, damn. Just loved it. And then he makes... Oh, sorry. I was going to say that now that you're putting it that way, it kind of also gives you like a what if uh, Maya's father had like Mm. gone a different route with with his Mm -hmm. approach to power and politics and family and, and relationships and stuff. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I completely agree. Um, I think I kind of lost what I was going to say. Damn it. No, it's fine. Uh, How'd you guys like uh, Kelahar? 
the the witness for the dead. Loved him. Yeah, he was awesome. <laughs> so he, that was the character. He is so he is going to be the main character for the sequel. And the sequel, like I said, is not a direct sequel. So the the sequel is called Witness for the Dead. And you know, it's it's really interesting because he got to go off and do other things and we all we get is like the letter right that summarizes yeah, other books should be about what he did right <laughs> I, I actually don't know i haven't really looked into like the... no what i mean is like if it, somebody else wrote the book like uh, a normal fantasy adventure story would be his story oh okay got it yeah or you'd yeah. cut away you'd cut <laughs> away from the empire and you'd have like seven chapters of his story right right right, yeah. right. a sanderson interlude basically <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah. A, you know. You mean like a small novel? <laughs> no, no, um, yeah. Basically. <laughs> but yeah, like Kilohar is a character that has a tragic backstory, and like we get enough to feel for him, and it's like enough. But I, I look forward to reading more from his perspective. I have a feeling Kip would not like his character much. Oh yeah, why is that? Oh, uh, Kip hates barrier gaze, and he's kind of the, oh. the product of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so uh, if listeners don't know, he uh, he is kind of like a a cop, I guess you could say. He's also he's a cop, and at the same time, he's a uh, judge. Uh, yeah. Well, he, he is he... a he's a mage, so he's like the the spiritual detective, I guess. Yeah, and so he could like see the last moments of somebody's life, and yeah, he's like Dresden basically. And he he's has to. Cleric, he's a priest that can talk to the dead people and right. Yeah, he's a priest as well. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. His former lover died, uh, or he didn't. Well, he died, but it was because of he pinned him, for, not pinned him, but uh, prosecuted him for the death, of her for the murder of his former lover's wife, and it was a tragic backstory, and I liked it, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, it kind of does have that trope. Uh, tangent over. Uh, <laughs> do you think the protagonist's lack of agency helped or hurt the book? And there's the follow-up question. Yeah, which... why do you think the author chose to write the protagonist with a relative lack of agency? <laughs> uh, Yasmin, you want to take it first? Yeah, I just think that that was like awesome commentary on like, uh, on like a political figurehead in a state with persistent patterns of self-replication of the system like denying the character a lot of agency like kind of like uh like really highlighted and and him not knowing like how to even go about being the head of state but like kind of the machinery of state just continuously grinding along anyway like kind of like brought out like the the concept of of being a figurehead in a in a state where like the the ruts of the wheels of the state machinery are like very well worn you know, and and it kind of replicates itself, and they're just like, we need you to be here and do and do it, but you're not really your actions aren't that important. You don't have a lot of choices. You just like need to be here because it's part of these patterns, you know. So you <laughs> see it more of a political political commentary. Yeah, I thought that's what I think. Spook, what do you think? I thought his lack of agency was completely just well warranted. So I think it definitely helped the book because we see. Maya throughout the book grow starting off as someone who 
first of all, didn't even want the seat of power. He was just thrown into it all of a sudden. And we see him grow and adapt. And I believe later on in his life, that agency may end up showing up, uh, unknown really. But I, yeah, I think the lack of agency just helped propel the book. Uh, I agree, but I, I think he shows, uh, you know, agency uh, and growth in, in that as the book goes on and as he learns how to handle the court and interact with people. And I mean, like he, he got the bridge built. <laughs> That's what the book's about, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, right. And, and, oh, sorry, Justin. In, in such an ossified system, getting the bridge built is a big deal. I mean... Have you ever tried to get a government that does not want to do things to do a thing? It sucks. There's a lot of meetings with people that do not want you to talk. Uh, it's it's not a fun time. And I, I speak from experience. <laughs> and they, they actually address that in the book, too. Um, whatever that goblin word is about, you know, tying up a prisoner and then, like, the tide is rising up and, you know, oh, yeah, as a metaphor that. of... Um, yeah, anyway, I'm not doing a good job it, of explaining It's called... Yes, that. Um, I, I actually... So I appreciate these questions because it's kind of like the, oh, there, there's not much that happens plot-wise in this book, and I, I don't quite agree. Um, I think that the quote-unquote lack of agency helped the book quite a bit. I felt like I was experiencing things with Maya and it was it's kind of also why I like Murderbot so much because we're in the main character's head a lot and I find what they have in their heads very interesting and engaging um I think to Yasna's point that the lack of agency was very realistic and it showed the intricacies of the role of an emperor um and what it's likely to be like um more so that it also shows that Maya was not a dictator or a tyrant. Because if he wanted to, he totally could have tried to play that role. And then, you know, honestly, I think he would have been killed off much sooner if he had tried. Um, I think the the he kind of may have given a show of lack of agency as well to kind of uh, as a survival tactic. Um, but he he relied on his counsel when he needed um, but at the same time, he was also able to stand up to them. Um, and more so that happens later in the book, back to what Huron was saying, how he did show agency later on. Um, and he was able to forge his own path for his rule. Um, I think the other thing is that I do relate to Maya in that he had to demonstrate his rule via influence. Um, and then lastly, I think. The, the lack of agency was also a way to show the world and not have it be too info dumpy. You know, like the information that we gain is what Maya gains through conversations and experience. Great answer. Okay, so um, what do you think of the pacing of the book? Spook, you first. I think the pacing was extremely well done. Um, I thought the transitions within chapters between like different scenes kind of tripped me up a little bit. Um, but yeah, overall, I think the book was well paced. Uh, everything 
that pushed the story forward was done well and we got to see the bridge built so <laughs> banda what do you think um so i really like the pacing um you know for a book quote unquote where not much happens um the pacing was actually pretty quick um it, it's not like super fast but it's it is fairly quick the mystery of um the wisdom of chaharo was a nice driver um in the background um but really like maya because maya's like day to day was just like meet with this person gotta gotta take care of this thing gotta resolve so it keeps the keeps the book moving um and i didn't find myself bored and also i was for my reread i was listening to the audiobook which was like listening to a bbc radio drama great oh yesta yeah i'm the pacing was really well executed um at times it lulled you into thinking that everything was like steady right before like a big plunge uh yeah i i dug it uh it, 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 you know it it was slow paced but not like where you're like oh god this is so slow oh like you know it brought you you were like soaking it all in and like you know uh and when you got too comfortable with how slow it was it was like just kidding <laughs> and things got faster real quick you know it was good i liked it um personally as someone who says this book has no plot uh I loved the pacing because for me, this, uh, the book isn't about the story. The book is about Maya and how he interacts with the people around him. And uh, I loved literally every interaction that he had. And I loved being into his mind. So uh, the pacing is perfect. I couldn't put the book down the first time. Hmm. Um, done a, a few of these other questions. So what surprised you most about the book? Uh, Yasna? Um, that Maya didn't get deposed or brutally subjugated by the court and the bureaucracy, like, immediately. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I've, I've read too much, too much grimdark and too much, uh, heroic fantasy where, like, big climactic things happen. So I was, like, on the edge of my seat, like, waiting for the other shoe to drop for a few minutes before <laughs> I realized it wasn't that kind of a book. Uh, <laughs> um... The coup was the biggest surprise, like I said, uh, in a tub full of cold water. And, uh, and, and, and I, I was waiting to bring this up to a question that it seems like you skipped. So I just kind of wanted to say, like, for all the fact that, we, that everybody's like, oh, nothing happens, there's no plot. When, man, when everybody was talking about their favorite scenes, like, they were all different. And every, everything that you guys brought up, all the scenes you brought up, I was like, oh, my God, that was also my favorite scene. Like, you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, there sure as hell were a lot of really good scenes for a book in which quote unquote nothing happens. So I'll stop. Nothing there. happens. <laughs> uh, most surprising for me, uh, let's see how I, my expectations for the book, because I, I had no idea what to expect. And I heard Goblin Emperor, and I'm just like, okay, uh, I've just seen it recommended. I'll, I'll read basically anything anybody recommends to me. And so, what you should read Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Within reason, yeah. <laughs> and it also kind of okay. depends on how. Whatever, and, yeah. <laughs> and I, I could talk about how how I choose to read. I think I have actually. We've done an episode on that. Uh, but what's surprising for me is how much I enjoyed it because I've never read a book like this, and it makes me want to read more books like this. 
uh, in the plot. I don't. I don't think I was really surprised. Anything I was expecting a coup. Uh, everything made sense to me. He needs to get married. Uh, no, no. What surprised me is how he stays true to himself the whole book, despite uh, having so many challenges in his life. Mm. Yeah, me too. Nice. Spook. Yeah, when I first started reading this book, I had, like Kieran, I had no expectations going in. Uh, I pieced together that the book was about a goblin and an emperor, and that was it. (laughs) Uh, So a lot of the things that happened uh, did surprise me, because again, I have never read a book uh, quite like this. I've read Warbreaker, and there is some amount of political intrigue in Warbreaker, but Really, this was the first book I read like it. Um, I was surprised by the first coup. I'm like, oh, okay, so they're going to do something like this. But then I was surprised by the second coup even more. It, Yeah, a lot of this book surprised me. Um, right right before the second coup and uh, the Duke died, right? Uh, he received a present. Sorry, this is a total tangent. Uh, that blinds the people that make it and oh, you yes. are blinded if you're used if you use it it's not if you use it it's the people that make it because of how intricate yeah the designs are i, I believe he said that if you look at it like even if you own it uh no then... I, I i think it was no, no. it was okay. just yeah the the uh lace i guess that's what they what it was the lace is like so white um, and the the designs are so intricate that people go blind making it. Yeah. And it was like an obscene amount of that gift. So like a lot of people went blind. Yeah, a full set. He yeah. was like a full set. <laughs> the parasol would be a grand enough gift, but the whole thing. Is yeah. Something was that it. from the guy who attempted the second coup? Is that why you yeah, brought Yeah, that was the guy who, yeah. who killed him. Yeah. Their or family. Who, oh. Yeah, he tried to kill him. Okay. That's a nice little touch. And Kasevit was like, yeah, I don't think the meaning is opaque. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Uh, Panda, you? Uh, yes. What, what, what was the question? Right, I, what, I was hoping you remember. What surprised me? Yeah, what surprised you? Yeah, so I think I, I echo what a lot of you said. Like, when I first read the book, it was like six years ago, I think. Um, and it was super hyped at the time, uh, based on like the, the people that I was getting reviews and recommendations from. And so I was actually surprised that it didn't disappoint me (laughs) being how hyped it was. Um, and upon rereading it and, um, I was surprised that I, okay, to be honest, I have been putting off rereading this book because I was afraid that it wouldn't be as good the second time I read it because I enjoyed it. I remember enjoying it so much the first time. And I was surprised that it did not disappoint upon rereading. And I still enjoyed it um, probably actually even more than the first time. Yeah. So I said at the beginning of the episode that uh, it was five stars the first time because I loved it. I mean, it was one of, instantly one of my favorites. And this time I said it was still five stars, even though I enjoyed it less. And I think uh, oh, it was only because uh, I had never read something before like this that mm. I, it was slightly less the second time. 
but what I did enjoy the second time was understanding a lot more of what was happening. Yes. yes. <laughs> and there's a there's a lot of uh, subtleties in their interactions and uh, references to things that happened early that you you probably don't notice the first time. It's not a lot. It's not like I don't know Gene Wolfe or Malazan, but it it's it's there, and mm -hmm. it's yeah, I liked it. Uh, how do you feel about how Maya handed, handled his situations? Spook, you want to take this? Yeah. Uh, so I respect Maya, and I respect his decisions quite a bit. Uh, for somebody who got thrown onto his throne at 18 years old, after being hidden away in some remote area, raised by somebody who hated him, abused him, not knowing anything about the court life, his decisions were just great. They, I don't know. I, I don't think there are many people alive who could go through that much and end up how Maya ended up. Uh, for example, uh, at his father's funeral, he wore the proper mourning attire whenever he was at, or at the funeral and whatnot. But the day after he switched into only wearing uh, dark colored gemstones, and I appreciated seeing that because he didn't want to cheapen the death of his father. He didn't want to insult the death of his father or insult the people who were mourning. He didn't want to make a show of it simply because it would have been proper for him to do. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. He wanted to show, hey, my feelings are completely different from yours. I respect your feelings, but they're going to be different. And I just respected that a lot of him. Yasna, what do you think? Yeah, um, I think that th there was an underlying sort of principle that uh, that kind of guided a lot of his more conscious decisions, at least. I mean, not that he didn't like slip up and act out of more sort of base, instinctual, emotional, re reflexive stuff. But uh, in terms of his conscious actions, it seemed like he was motivated a lot by like kindness and by compassion. Mm -hmm. uh, and you could, uh, and, and 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 right now I'm also reading the main book I'm reading right now is Malaz and Book of the Fallen, or the main ten book series that I'm reading right now, and and compassion like figures heavily in in that one as well, the importance of compassion. So that really stuck out to me reading this because I'm reading them side by side with each other, and um, uh, and it was interesting to me that, uh, you know. He's he continues to act out of like compassion and kindness, and and it's, and at certain points even like patriotism because like when the coup happens and he he kind of like is like well you know if I thought that things would be better if I was out of the picture I might just yeah. go with the, go with the coup you know but but he he knows it won't be uh, and I think he would have accepted like whatever the heir had done uh, when the heir he said he expected before. to die right mm -hmm. right yeah yeah. <laughs> And like early on in the book, kindness and compassion are rewarded with like incredulity and uh, astonishment and rudeness and uh, you know um, attempts attempts to take the throne from him and uh, and then as the book kind of goes on, the longer term refund for his compassion and kindness to use it crude market term for what shouldn't be described that way uh is uh he 
you know, he begins to see like people appreciating his kindness, appreciating his compassion. Uh, he, he starts to build, you know, the relate, like the, the kind of intimate relationships he's capable of building with the people around him. He starts to have allies, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, and there could very easily have been the kind of novel that I love to read. Uh, where he starts out trying to react with kindness and compassion, and he's initially punished for it, and then he'd like lash out, you know, backs off, you know, and 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 goes and 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 and, and kind of conforms to the reality around him. And um, you know, in real life, uh, I feel like some of the kindness and compassion that he shows would probably have to be beaten out of him if he's like trying to do like big pop political stuff like greater good stuff uh not all of it but you know i feel like uh uh he probably should have mercilessly crushed his enemies maybe a little bit more <laughs> if this were real but like i appreciate the moral message especially like when i'm reading stuff that either falls into like you know grimdark or like it's heroic but they're still crushing their enemies or like malazan's basically a tr like tragedy so or at least so far that's my read on it, is it's like tragic so having it be more just upbeat the whole way and like him kind of sticking to that you know uh he did the best he could for the situation he was in and that that's that's i've gone on far too long <laughs> uh those, those, are, those are excellent points and uh i'd like to say that i i think what you said about how as time went on, people begin to respond better to that. And I think that's kind of a message on the the nature of power, right? When people in charge uh, respond a certain way, maybe those under them are fall into the same influence. You, you can't change everybody, but like because he responded well, uh, the people like Ch Chavet, Chavar, Chavar, Chavar was a bad guy. And he was pulled out of power because of what happened. And the the I, I don't remember the names, but the the heir's mother, she was a bad lady, and she's gone, so oh, she's yeah. no longer. Bubble. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Spanda. I I liked how it all worked out. Um, he he doesn't have magical powers, right? Like the, he he's not like ooh, look he at tried. me. <laughs> <laughs> he did try, but it didn't. He just doesn't have the knack for it. Um, but his upbringing, his good upbringing from his mother and the hard upbringing from Sethris, um, I think those were his powers. Even though Sethris treated him very, very poorly, um, he learned a lot from Sethris. And in, in his monologues, like in his head, you can see how much influence <laughs> Sethris had. Um, and then in particular, you know, he learned from Sethris um, to look at things from a cynical point of view, but that was then balanced out by the kindness and compassion that he received himself, um, mainly from his mother, but also from the woman at the funeral. Um, so he was able to see the negative points, but chose to act in the positive way. And I think that's probably the key point about the character is that he, yes, he is naive, but he's not really that stupid. He can see from the different perspectives, yet he still chose to act the way that he does. Um, so he's he's insightful. He's analytical. I really love the moments where those uh, elements were able to shine, um, such as like when he was arbitrating the dispute between those three groups of people <laughs> about the river and the land, and like they've been squabbling for decades, and he's like. 
you know what? Uh, no matter what I do, people are going to be pissed off. So I'm not even yeah. going to try to please them. I'm just going to look <laughs> at this objectively, right? And it's a, like a very Solomon moment, King Solomon mm. moment, which I really appreciated. Um, and also like how he just decided to cancel all the marriage negotiations for Vedro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was boss. And um, it, he showed agency in that situation. Um, and I think part of it is also that his kindness and compassion, it's not, it's not um, meaningless. It is meaningful. And we see that, um, as you guys have said, that it really does help him build those relationships and gain allies. Well, good stuff. Um, I think we're going to wrap up. Do, does anybody have any uh, closing thoughts or things that I missed you want to add? I think there was one thing that Yasna you had bookmarked about the terrorism leading to progress. <laughs> oh yeah, so this totally like vindicates like assassinating emperors and czars, and like historically, like what that leads to is like they crack down on all the lower classes, and like the laws get like really strict and tight, and like a bunch of people get shot who maybe had nothing to do with assassinating the person. Like it doesn't go well. Uh, it's not. It's not a path to progress in real life. <laughs> so, so I actually I have a a little point about that because I was reading an interview with Sarah Monette and she I don't know if this is exactly what she meant um, to address your point, but she did say that she was thinking of the French Revolution when she was writing this, and she was thinking of is there a different way to get from a bad government to a good government without all the bloodshed, without that revolution. And so this was kind of her way of exploring that possibility in a in a fantasy world. Interesting. But but still the agent for the progressive change it ultimately is the Narodnik that blows up the airship. Because yes. because the because Maya is the more progressive emperor. That that's why I said you know that the terrorism led to <laughs> yes, yeah, I do believe it's possible that. to have a peaceful. I do believe it is possible to have a peaceful transformation, but you know, uh, not necessarily in a stagnant imperial system like the one in the book, but you know, like in a in our system today. But maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, I did have a couple of things, which is like specific books to recommend. So yes, I used mentioned Warbreaker as one of them. Um, I think, and Kieran, you, you've read The Curse of Chalion. Oh, um, uh, yeah. I think that people who enjoy that book would enjoy The Goblin Emperor as well, I and agree. vice versa. There, there's a lot of similarities there. Um, I've also heard the, the Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Be- Becky Chambers um, has similar elements in terms of like kindness being a big part of the characterizations, which I plan on read reading. More. Yeah. <laughs> I want to read it in 2021. Um, and then lastly, so Kieran and Yesna, because you you two have read Malazan, how does this book compare? Because you kind of touched on it, Yesna, about the, the compassion and the kindness. But in terms of like, if people like the Goblin Emperor, do you think they would also like Malazan? They're not. I, I, the I the only thing that... <laughs> Go, oh, go ahead. 
the the only similarities I think is uh, the theme of uh, you know compassion is important. Other than that, I think they're very 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 different. So I, I if somebody said I like uh, the Goblin Emperor, I wouldn't I would not say oh you should read Malazan. Well, I guess yeah, right. Yeah. Definitely would not. I mean, there are th- there are like shared themes, like there is political intrigue in Malazan, but there's also like giant magical battles with like explosions and stuff, and like mm-hmm. undead dinosaurs with swords for arms, like attacking people. Yeah, know, hundreds not... of characters. <laughs> yeah, okay. hundreds. Of characters. It's like night and day. There's in action. There's things uh, that happen. Punching. Yes. Yes. There's a lot of punching. <laughs> uh yeah um now i'm there are at least two if not three people on this call right now that you know that like both but i wouldn't go oh because one then the other yeah but i would i do want to add you mentioned final thoughts uh when 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 we were talking about how hard it was to you know get a bridge built in a government that doesn't want to do things it reminded me of uh, for uh, people you would recommend this book to if you really like parks and recreation uh, <laughs> and you really identify with you yeah. know the, the objective of building a park in a government that doesn't want to build parks. This book works for that. <laughs> well, all right then. Um, so I think we all gave it a ringing endorsement or at least a Absolutely. endorsement. Mm-hmm. And uh, this has been the Legendarium Green Team. If you disagree or agree, please come to the Discord. If you're a fan of the Legendarium, please join Patreon if you can. There's a subreddit, and Panda handles the Twitter. Uh, Thank you to our hosts, and thank you for listening. And finally, thank you, Horizon, for starting this. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. freeze he doesn't know you're in i think he you're in our host is gone what do we do do we just go on with the show is is black an improvement to the to freezing does that mean he's like (laughs) trying to reconnect yeah he's just completely frozen for me but like i just see his face he says i can see and hear all of you it's reconnecting. Uh, I think we'll just give it a give it a sec. He may need to try to reconnect. Oh no. He'll come back. I believe in you here in France.